neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took up its fruit and ate, and also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they realised that they were naked, and they sewed thick leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the garden, in the garden of the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Brilliant. Thank you for reading, Naomi. Um, I'm so excited to to be here. Um, I grew up coming to CE, loved it, maybe the highlight of my week. Um, so it's really great to be here with, with you guys this evening. Uh, I'm just going to pray as we come to God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you that you have given it to us that we might know you. And God, I pray this evening that, that we would see you more clearly and that we might actually love you more dearly. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why does it feel like everybody's breaking up this September? That's what Stylist Magazine asked only six days ago. Joe and Sophie. Hugh and Deborah Lee. Brittany and Sam. All breaking up. Celebrity heartbreak seems to be everywhere at the moment. And maybe maybe heartbreak is in the room. Maybe the summer romance is gone. Maybe... Heartbreak is pending as you're thinking, do I really want to be with that guy or girl? Well, Taylor Swift, Miley Cyrus, Adele, Justin Bieber, they've made millions singing about heartbreak. And it makes us ask the question, why Why do bad things happen? Why does heartbreak happen? And, and why do bad things worse than heartbreak happen? The war between Ukraine and Russia. Human trafficking, earthquakes, wildfires, other global disasters. But even a little bit closer to home, what happens when you get injured playing the sport that you love? Or when you feel the hurt of a friend betraying you? Or you find out that a family member is sick? Or when... Your grandparents is ill and maybe you actually lose them. When there's physical and emotional abuse in the world, when there's when there's bullying and when there's worry and anxiety. I don't think there's anybody in the room tonight that hasn't seen the brokenness of our world. Maybe you haven't experienced it first hand but you've seen it because 
let's be real, we don't have to look too far to see it, do we? The brokenness of our world is an issue that's as old as Adam, as the saying goes. Our brokenness is an issue that's as old as time itself. And last week, Henry talked about in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and and he made things good, and he made humanity, he made us very good. And Henry got the good week, because he gets to say how good it all is, and then I have to come this week and say, but it didn't stay very good for very long. I want you to track with me tonight because I'm convinced that the Bible and what it has to say about the brokenness of our world is both the most consistent and the most comforting words that we have to deal with it. That what this book has to say about the brokenness in our world is the most comforting and consistent words that we can find. But what broke our world? What causes all of the brokenness that we see? Sin. Small word, big impact. And the word sin, it gets thrown around a lot. And I think what we've actually done is we've come to view sin in two ways. It's either something that's that's really big and really serious and doesn't necessarily apply to us, or it's something that's trivial and it doesn't really matter. How is it trivial? You get a yellow card in your sport. Five minutes off if you're playing hockey, ten minutes off if you're playing rugby. And where do you go if you get a yellow card? You go to the sin bin, don't you? Or if you know anybody in your family that's ever gone to Slimming World and you offer them a Twix and they say, no, 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 no Twix for me. Do you know how many sins are in a Twix? In their little Slimming World Bible? Food is correlated to how many sins are in each food the more sugary the more fat the food the more sins and and sins trivial doesn't really matter but then on the other end you've got you've got murder you've got modern day slavery you've got fraud you've got abuse and and those are the really sinful things but i don't do any of that that's not me so sin doesn't really matter And I think the words that we've just read this evening and and what Genesis 3 continues to say, we didn't read it tonight, but you can go home and look at it. It helps us to see what's really at the heart of sin. What's really at the heart of the brokenness in our world. We're introduced to the serpent in Genesis 3. Has anyone seen the Jungle Book? The talking snake in the Jungle Book? Well, I don't think it's like that. It's not like that. It is real. But I think what we're what we're being presented with here is God's top enemy, his top opposition in the form of this serpent. Elsewhere in the Bible, he'll be described as the evil one, as Satan, the devil, and he's interacting with God's newly created humanity in Genesis chapter 3. And do you know what it shows us? It shows us that that this sin, it isn't primarily a moral misalignment, lying, stealing, cheating. It, it's, not, it's not what we do with our hands. But sin is really about what's going on in our heart. 
And sin here is denying God's lordship. I don't know if you noticed it as Naomi read out the passage for us, but God is described. Oh, my highlighted bits didn't come up. Oh, no. Anyways, um, Lord God is there five times. We see it at the start. Other bases feel that the Lord God has made. We see it picked up again um, in the second paragraph. The Lord God walking in the garden. Lord God among the trees. Not just God, but Lord God. Why is it written like that? Well, I think it's to highlight what the serpent is going to do next. Because when he comes onto the scene, he doesn't call him Lord God. He just calls him God. And then Eve just calls him God. It doesn't seem like a big deal. It's really subtle. But what the serpent is doing is he is denying the lordship of God. And he questions the integrity of God, the character of God. Did you notice that? What, what's the first thing he says? Did God actually say that you couldn't eat from the trees in the garden? And then he outright contradicts God. He says, you will surely not die. What does he do? He, he paints God as a, as a jealous and a spiteful God who doesn't want Eve and Adam to know what he knows. He says, God knows that, you know, if you eat the fruit from that tree that God said you can't have the fruit from, well, you're going to know everything. You're going to be like God. And God's really selfish. He doesn't want you to know about that. But the truth is that the creator of creation is in control. He is Lord over it all. And the serpent denies it. Sin can helpfully be described using three sentences, three phrases. Shove off God. I'm in charge. No to your ways. Shove off God. I'm in charge. No to your ways. And that's the heart of sin. Our desire to be in control and, and to rule in the place that only God should really rule. To disregard God's ways for our own. And as we see this denial of God as Lord over all things, we also, we also get a glimpse to how love is misaligned. You see, sin at its heart is, is a misplaced or a misaligned love. What did that look like for Eve? Wanting to be like God. Loving the idea that Adam and Eve could know what God knows. And we know Adam's right there. He didn't take any convincing. He had a way. Their desire was a love for themselves, a love to know what God knew more than they actually loved their creator. And the question, which I'm sure some of you are thinking about, it always comes up, well, why did, why did God put one tree in the garden that they couldn't eat? Like, wasn't God just setting them up for failure? He was just presenting temptation in front of them. Surely he was setting them up for the fall. Well, Glenn Scrivener, um, the guy that wrote a little book called Long Story Short, he says, if there was literally nothing humanity could do to demonstrate mistrust of God, then there would be nothing they could do to demonstrate their trust 
of God. So with this tree, there is one opportunity to express their allegiance to God. One opportunity to express their allegiance to God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase it in a different way. Say you've got a brother or a sister. You've got a best friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. How do you show them that you love them? Well, yeah, we, we maybe say nice things to them. We respect them. We give them gifts. But I think one of the ways that we show people most that we love them is that we we don't do things that are going to hurt them or disappoint them. It's in, choo- it's in our restraint. It's in choosing to not do something that will hurt the person that we love that really shows them that we love them. And so it is with Adam and Eve. This forbidden fruit is their opportunity to show that they truly love and trust God more than anything else. And they fail. Why do they fail? But it's not just Adam and Eve, is it? You see, I think it's us as well. You and me. I think every day we choose to give our love and our affections, our trust to others and objects and even ourselves instead of the God who made us. Now maybe you, maybe you do love God and you, you show that by coming to CE, by singing the songs, by putting money in the collection plates. Maybe it's by going to your church, being involved in your YF or being involved in the SU in your school or volunteering at one of the kids' clubs. And those are great things. But what happens when other things come along that challenge God's position for your affection, for your trust, for your love? Maybe it's what people think of you. Do you demonstrate your love for God by maybe not doing what the rest of your friend group want to do because you know it's displeasing to God? Or do you just go along with it because you want to please your friends rather than pleasing God? Or maybe it's in your possessions. Do we feel content and fulfilled by having a relationship with God? Or do we need the latest iPhone? Do we need the latest fashion from the top brands? Do we need to have what the other people around us have in order to feel content, happy, peaceful, fulfilled? Loving objects more than God. What do we trust in? What do we trust that will give us meaning and fulfillment? I've, I've thought of a few things that I think are the most natural things that we put our trust in. Money. Friendships. Having power in your friendships. Being the admin of the WhatsApp group. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's having a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe it's how good your exam results are, or maybe your sporting achievements, or your musical achievements. Maybe it's being liked by everybody. Maybe it's your looks. Maybe it's your skills. Maybe it is having the latest tech or fashion, or even the latest gossip. And maybe you're thinking, you know, Chris, 
I don't really do anything all that bad. So I'm going to ask for a little bit of interaction now. Okay, it's nothing serious. If you've just broke out into a cold sweat, you can chill out. But I want everybody to stand up if you're able. Okay? Love a bit of participation. Now I want you to sit down if, if you've ever done something that's hurt somebody else. Gosh, I had two more questions. I didn't even have to ask my follow-up questions. Everybody just sat down. I was then going to ask if you've ever said anything that has hurt someone. And then I was going to ask you if you've ever thought anything that you wouldn't want anybody to know you thought about. So the fact that everybody in the room has sat down, I think we can all concede that we're not good all the time. We might not even be good at all. I want you to imagine that my actions, my words, my thoughts are projected behind doors all around the room. And you can see every door and it's dated from the 1st of January right through till tonight, the 30th of September. And I'm going to bring you over to the 4th of May, 2023. And I'm going to show you, this is a made up story, but I'm going to show you me helping an old lady across the street with her groceries. I was good. And I'm going to show you the second of each month when £25 comes out of my bank account and it goes to a sponsor child. And you're going to say, Chris, that's well done. That's, that's very good. That's very nice. You're, you're a great guy. And then you might say, Chris, can I see behind the 7th of June? And I'm going to say, you do want to see behind the 7th of June. Come over here. Look at the 14th of March. I told somebody about Jesus that day. Isn't that good? And you're thinking, well, what's wrong with the 7th of June? What's wrong with all the other days that Chris doesn't want me to see behind the doors? Well, the truth is that I don't want you to see the things that make me look bad. You don't want to show me the things that make you look bad. Because on the 7th of June, maybe I said something that was unkind. Maybe I judged someone based on their appearance. Maybe I find myself watching reels and YouTube shorts and TikTok videos of content that isn't helpful or honoring to God. Would you let me see behind all the doors of your year up until now? I don't think so. See, none of us... I Tonight's the really heavy night. Tonight's the night where, in God's big picture, we really need to see how broken we are. None of us can escape this. At the start, Matty read some words by the Apostle Paul. He also wrote to another group of Christians in Rome. And he said to them, All have sinned. All have said, Shove off God, I am in charge, know to your ways. And they fall short of the glory of God. They fall short of God's standard. That's you. That's me. Again, in this little book, Glenn Scrivener, 
he tells a story about a conversation that he had with a man, a man who was a recovering heroin addict. And this man said, everyone is ruled by desires. These desires, they get twisted and they end up destroying us and the people around us. We get overwhelmed by desires for the wrong things or we want the right things, but for the wrong reasons or in the wrong proportions. Some people are addicted to heroin, some to praise, some to comfort, some to power, some to sex, some to work, some to money, but everyone's addicted to something. Do you know if you opened my door for the 28th of September, 2023, two days ago, when I was sitting down trying to write this talk, you'd see that I'm addicted to people liking me. Because in the back of my mind, the one thing that I wanted was for you all to like me. That you would go home and tell your parents that the guy that spoke at sea was really cool tonight. Or you'd go to school on Monday morning and you'd say, that guy did a really good job. I'd, I'd love to be like him. I like him. And then God kind of had to give me a little kick up the bum and say, no, Chris, it's not about you. It's not about whether they like you or not. It's about, it's about me. And it's about whether or not you tell them the truth about me. You see, when we give our love, our affection to anything or anyone except Jesus, we are denying his lordship over all creation. The serpent did it. Adam and Eve did it. The fact that we all sat down after the first question proves that we do it too. And it seems bleak, doesn't it? Again, this is the night where it's it's the bleakest night, but we're asking, where's the hope in that? Does the world just stay broken? Because we because we love objects and others and ourselves, we're we're stuck with with death and darkness and disconnection, disconnection from God, disconnection from one another. Do you remember I said at the start that I think the Bible helps us to to understand the brokenness in our world because it's the most consistent and the most comforting words that we have to deal with it. You see, the Bible gives us the reason. It tells us, it makes clear to us why our world is broken. But it doesn't just tell us why our world is broken. It also offers us hope in the midst of the brokenness. Who calls out first? They've eaten the fruit. They've done what God didn't do what God told them not to do. Who calls out first? God calls out first. Verses eight and nine, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? God knew. God knew that they were hiding in the trees. He knew why they were hiding in the trees. And he still reaches out. He reaches out knowing that Adam's going to turn around and actually blame God for all of this. Do you know what Adam says? He says, This woman you gave to be with me made me do it. 
Eve gave it, Adam ate it. But God gave Eve to Adam and he's saying, God, ultimately this is your fault. If you hadn't given me that woman, I would never have eaten that forbidden fruit. How often do we feel like that? God, if you hadn't put me in that tricky circumstance, I never would have sinned. Well, God knew. And he still reaches out. Sin has consequences. I've already named them, but it's death, it's darkness, it's destruction, or not destruction, disconnection. Disconnection from God and from one another. Adam and Eve, they, if you read on, they get kicked out of the garden. Work becomes difficult. The earth becomes difficult. Brokenness ensues. But by far the worst thing is that their relationship with God is now disconnected. Last week, Henry talked about Genesis 1 in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he brought you to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And you read down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The only way for God to renew our broken world was to to come and embrace that brokenness himself. See, the Lord Jesus came to do what we all failed to do. Because he actually met God's perfect standard. And despite making God's perfect standard. He took our place under God's wrath and judgment on the cross. And then he rose from the grave. Victoriously defeating sin and death after three days. So that that our disconnection. Could be reconnected. Could be reconciled with God. And it's why Jesus says in in Mark 1 verse 15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Turn away from loving objects and others and even yourself. Believe in the good news. Believe this beautiful story that Jesus is the way. He is the source of all truth. He is the source and the meaning of all life. You see, Jesus calls out first. He comes and embraces our brokenness. We've already been singing about it this evening. He comes and embraces our brokenness so that we can look to hope. Hope of a perfect and a renewed future. Trusting in Jesus. It's not going to fix all of your problems to me. Trusting in Jesus isn't going to remove all of the brokenness now. But he has promised that all will be made new. Even when we saw what the serpent was trying to do when he just called him God, when around that he was being called Lord God. The capital L-O-R-D, it's talking about Israel's God, Yahweh, the the promise-giving, promise-keeping God. He's a God who keeps his word, and he's a God who knows what it's like to suffer. How comforting to know that the Savior of the world has felt 
the brokenness that we have to feel too. No other God of religion can make that connection with you like Jesus can tonight. Jesus embraces the brokenness for you. He, he initiates, he calls out first. And God has always initiated reconciliation with his creation. And he does it fully and he does it finally through the work of Jesus. You're going to hear a lot about Jesus as you go through this Long Story Short series. Because it's all about him. Long story short, it's all about Jesus. And you see, nobody here tonight is too good to need Jesus. And nobody here this evening is too bad to be accepted by Jesus. You or me, we're not too good to need him. You and me, we're not too bad to not be accepted by him. We all need Jesus. And do you know what? It's better. It's actually better to trust in Jesus than any of those other things. Do you remember that list at the start that I gave you of the things that we, we tend to put our trust and our hope in? Well, money's not going to bring you happiness. Just ask someone who has loads of money because they're always looking for more money or the next thing that they can buy. Friendships can be really tough. Maybe, maybe you've fallen out with a friend recently. You know that it's not going to bring you fulfillment. Pornography promises a lie and it leaves you feeling empty. Trying to sort how you're feeling, looking for contentment in alcohol. That's not freedom, that's slavery to its effects. Having a boyfriend or a girlfriend's not going to bring you fulfillment. Not lasting fulfillment. What if you break up? What if they cheat on you? What if your best friend falls in love with them and it causes loads of heartbreak? Your exam results can go the wrong way. What happens when you don't get the results you were after? Sporting achievements can be forgotten. Any records that you set can be broken. Being liked by everyone's fragile. What happens when somebody comes along and they just don't like you, they don't think you're funny, or somebody new comes along and then everybody wants to be their best friend rather than yours? Looks will fade, skill will depreciate. The latest tech, fashion, or gossip, it doesn't stay up to date long enough to give you a sense of fulfillment. You see, only Jesus offers fulfillment that will last. And it's when we submit to his lordship and that we love him above everything else. I'm nearly done. You're tracking really well with me, but... Has anybody had or currently wearing any of these? Yeah, the braces. No, some hands went up. You'd love a bit of participation. You get braces if your teeth are out of alignment, don't you? And you need the orthodontist to, to work your teeth back into the perfect configuration so you've got that stellar smile. And once you get your braces off, what do they give you? They give you a retainer. And you get that retainer so that your teeth will stay aligned. Because without the retainer, your teeth will naturally want to come out of alignment. And that's what the gospel offers us. It takes the misaligned love that we have. And it realigns it in Jesus. 
and walking with Jesus, holding true to his word and truth, that's the retainer. That's the retainer that keeps us aligned. It keeps us aligned when everything else in this world wants to pull us out of alignment in different directions. Anything but being aligned with Jesus. And that's on offer for you tonight. Whether you've already given your life to Jesus or if you're not yet a Christian, you know, Jesus makes all things new and you're invited. You're invited to love him and trust him because he's the only one worth loving and trusting. Whether it's for the first time, whether it's for the first time in a long time, or whether you just need you just need realigned because you've stopped wearing your retainer. Forgiveness is only found in Jesus. And he has called out to you tonight through his word because he wants you to have that reconciled relationship with the God that we're all disconnected from without Jesus. Will you accept him? Love him? Live for him? That's the question I'd love for you guys to chat about after in the cafe, on the beanbags, as you're walking to the shop, whatever you're doing. Will you accept him? Will you love him? Will you live for him? We're all broken. We all need him. So it's whether we choose to trust in him or not. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that despite the fact that we fall short so often and so far, that you sent your son to die for us. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that you didn't, you didn't just die for my rebellion against you up until I became a Christian, but even the times that I failed to love you since putting my trust and my love in you. God, I pray that you would help us by your grace, through your spirit, that we would trust and love the Lord Jesus and trust and love him alone. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for the love that you lavish upon us in Christ your Son. We ask all of this in his name for our good and for your glory. Mm-hmm.